the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham, free power hours upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Chester and Fuller, completely full after another Easter meal of scraps yesterday. They are good to go. Hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. All right, we got uh, some serious business to attend to here, Mr. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Holmes going to join us here, uh, bottom of the hour, help us start Unity Week in the ACC. Maddie Jenner off the red-hot Duke women's lacrosse team will be here at 845. Duke had a huge weekend. Huge weekend. In multiple sports. Yes, yeah. Uh, we're going to start the hour, though, with a topic that is uh, being being talked about in the world of Division One soccer. Uh, and we want to share, share this with you because its uh, origination has kind of developed in the ACC. So we welcome here uh, Jay Vitovich, who, of course, has spent many, many years in the ACC, is the head men's soccer coach at Pittsburgh. Jay's on the left. Carlos Samuano is the head soccer coach at North Carolina. He is on the right. We welcome both of you guys to the program. And this is called, for the working layman, the 21st century model for men's soccer at the Division One level, for soccer at the Division One level. Carlos, I'm going to let you kind of roll with this. In short, you guys want to make soccer longer in terms of its play periods, and there's a lot of value to that. But how did you get started with this, and, and what brought it about? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having us on, and um, happy Easter Monday to everybody. Um, yeah, the, the language of making it longer is not – necessarily accurate um it's a little bit complicated to explain as simple as it is um so we're, what we're looking to do is a simple redistribution of the current um playing season calendar we have a 132 day uh playing season calendar 20 hour carol weeks and uh what we want to do is try to redistribute that over the two semesters as um our, our champions championship segment so um, I think the challenge in understanding what uh, we're asking to do is is you, you got to understand why um, and, and what we currently do. Um, and what we currently do um, is, and I'll give you an example. Right now, it's you know April 18th. In two days, um, we'll be finished training here at Carolina with our boys. Um, we just finished a five-game exhibition um season in the spring and we're not going to see our guys until august 9th um after after wednesday um and august 9th uh, we'll show up for preseason and by august or by october 28th we're going to try to play 20 games within that period that's less than 12 weeks mm. um and it will get one postseason game um after that and then the season could be over for quite honestly the majority of the teams in the country, and then you're you're waiting again to play a, a championship meaningful contest until the following August again. So um, if you look at what we currently do, it's very much out of line with the best practices in our sport worldwide at really any age group. So um, what we're hoping to do is kind of redistribute kind of our playing season model um, over the two semesters so that we can you know, uh, decompress our season, uh, spread the games out, and try to 
try to provide a more meaningful, a, a little bit more meaningful training and um, uh, game experience for the kids over two semesters. Uh, so in, in its, you know, simple, short form, form that's it. Um, there's a lot of layers to it, and that's been one of the challenges. It's, it's kind of a little bit um, hard to explain for, for the majority of the people because there's not a, a real good understanding of what we're currently doing and how out of line with the best practices of our sport we, we currently are. Jay, let me follow up with you. Um, I, I would assume that just from a wear and tear standpoint, injuries, uh, this would be a positive move for all parties involved. Uh, spot on. Uh, you know, right now, as, as Carl said, 20-some games in 12 weeks, you're, you're playing and trying to recover from one match to another. And, you know, it's physiologically they're saying it's 48 hours or 72 hours post game that you're supposed to have to just to recover and get back to where you were before the game. So, um, yeah, the, the overuse syndrome, you know, th type of injuries that happen. And then if you do get an injury, you know, the young men, if they miss two weeks due to a, an ankle sprain, you know, they're missing four or five games. So they're missing like a quarter of their season. So there's a lot of them will try and push and, and play through an injury, which just causes, you know, more injury mm. um, and the ability to get, you know, get kids back and, and playing healthy. So it's, it's, it's a tough time with the, the way it is currently. As Carl said, if we can just, uh, in fact, as we're even giving up some games, if we can redistribute it so it, it's, all the matches are from the fall and the spring, put it together. Now you have a week between games. You have a chance to not only recover, but now prepare for a match. So uh, hopefully the, the, the soccer gets better and the, the quality competition gets better. All right, let me go back here because if, if fans remember who followed soccer in 20 and 21, the 2020-2021 campaign, you did play this way. I mean, you had a, a season in the fall and then you took a break and came back in the spring, right, Carlos? So did that help spark kind of this concept and, and – the injury factor is well known. I, I think we, we see that just by if you follow soccer, period, the, the more activity and a more compromised or concise box, you're just asking for more injury. That would be the second part. But did you take some of this concept from what you went through in the fall of 20 and the spring of 21? You know, quite honestly, uh, we had worked on this model well, well in advance of uh, the pandemic and the, um, you know, I guess we'll call it a hybrid version of, of that. And, and in the ACC, we were able to uh, compete in both the fall and the spring. Uh, but the majority of the teams uh, that season only competed in, in the spring. So um, while it gave us a, a little bit of a, a picture into the, the window of, of what it would be like, it wasn't it wasn't really the 21st century model. Most of the teams that year had to start a little bit sooner in the winter um, than they would have to in, in the 21st century model. That being said, um, for for our guys and for our experience, it, it did ring true a lot of the the hopes and and wishes that that we have for the 21st century model. As Jay said, again, I think the best way to look at it is look at what we currently do. If if you take a a current season right now, we'll play a game on uh, ACC game on a Friday. Um, we'll Saturday will be a, a recovery day. Sunday's off. Monday, we're preparing for a match on Tuesday. Um, and so you're, you're not really training. Tuesday, we play a match. Um, 
Wednesday um, is a recovery day. Thursday, we're preparing for a match on Friday. So we're, we're really not having any training uh, during the fall. And then, you know, for those, those kids that don't get included in the playing and, and game rotation, um, you're trying to figure out a way to keep them uh, training and sharp and incorporate them in the team uh, concept. Um, and you do that, yeah, again, for almost 10 straight weeks, 11, 11 and a half weeks. Um, and so uh, when, and during the pandemic, when we had a you know, week in between games, we're able to train the team combined, um, grow on concepts. And then one of the biggest things, and this is my personal, um, uh, one of my personal favorites is having the ability to have the same team in the spring that we had in the fall so that we can work on um, building off concepts that we learned during the fall. Currently, right now, we have a team in the fall. We changed a significant portion of our roster between uh, the transfer portal, over a 1,000 kids on the transfer portal right now, um, between seniors um, and between kids turning pro. We train a team in the, the spring that's completely different than the team that will be in the following fall. Uh, with the new additions so you feel like you're starting over um, you know once you just you know started to get off the ground and you repeat that cycle over and over again and and having the ability to train a team two consecutive semesters the same team um, you know the the benefit of that during the COVID season was 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 fantastic for us okay this question's for both you guys and Jay I'll let you lead off with an answer uh, for, for the layman which is what I am for soccer this idea makes a ton of sense, right? And, and I, I have no skin in the game. All of this makes a ton of sense. Injuries, academics, your roster, two semesters. Hey, everybody's going to class. Check, 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 check. So what is stopping this from happening? Jay, I'll let you lead. All right, Mark. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is, is change is difficult for a lot of people. This is, uh, you know, how much has it always been? Like, this is the way we do things. Uh, you know, we've been doing it, I think, like historically since, you know, prior to 1960, this is the way we've done things. So uh, I think to get administration and for people to look at and say, well, you know, let's look at the big picture here. What's best for the student athlete? What's best for the growth of the game? Uh, I think that's the biggest thing, the, the biggest factor in there, in my mind, uh, of why, why it is, you know, it is such a logical move. So it's it's a no brainer in, in so many ways. So I think that's the biggest thing is just saying, OK, we're going to have to do things differently. We're going to maybe have to look at how we use our facilities differently or how we use our personnel who, who support personnel who work with our, with our our teams and players. But once again, if we go back to it, we're doing this now. I mean, you know, we're playing games during the spring. We're training every day during the spring. So it's not really that much of a change. It's just spreading out the competitive games and balancing out throughout the year. Carlos? Yeah, that's a, that's a uh, great trap question. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the change is, is for sure. And then I think, look, in, in the end, you know, the legislative process is very difficult and very cumbersome um, in the NCAA. And let's face it, um, you know, men's soccer is, is not um, the the most well-known sport still in NCAA in, in terms of understanding what we currently do. So I think one of the, the challenges that, that we've experienced is really trying to explain people why 
um, what we currently do is so far out of the norm um, and why what we want to do is, is so important. It, it doesn't seem like a, a very complicated um, uh, move. Um, as you mentioned, it makes total sense once you are able to explain it to people. Um, but there's the mountain of people that you need to explain it to and, and why and, and getting their attention in this day and age when Gosh, we're dealing with NIL and all kinds of issues in the NCAA. It, it, it's hard to get that voice out there and, and get the attention um, on it that, um, that we're hoping to get with, with as many things that are going on in the NCAA right now. All right. I'm going to, and this is not meant to pin anybody down here. How much of the response and how much of the pushback is cost related, Carlos? How much does that come back? as oh that's the this is the reason we can't do it because you know the season gets longer somewhere down the line some cfo says well that's going to cost more yeah that's the irony of it uh, again once you spend time I and mean, we've dealt with every possible question and concern you can you sure. can uh, come up with it, this is a redistribution of our current playing season calendar so i you know we've done cost analysis um in the acc and we're bringing our, our student athletes um, onto campus later um, than we would. And, and that's probably one of our big, biggest budget line items is preseason expenses when you have to house and host the kids um, prior to, to school starting. Um, this, the, it's hard to answer that question because every school around the country is dealing with different circumstances. But um, in the ACC, we've done cost analysis and we can make an argument that we might save money um, and, and at, at worst case scenario, be cost neutral. So what, like, just again, as a layman in this particular deal, the first person that needs to be convinced or the first group that needs to be convinced that, hey, this makes too much sense is whom? <laughs> so, again, it's just a, a fascinating question because we've been doing this for 10 years and every year that changes. Right. So as we go through, in, in essence, what you have to do is is convince school by school. you got to take one school down at a time and you convince your campus and administration that it's um, it's a it's a valuable move. And then, you know, we have different coaches. Um, changing around the country and you got to educate them about it. Um, new student athletes every year, new administrators, new ADs, um, the committees that are weighing in and, and taking positions, you know, um, they're changing every year. So the, the amount of time that the legislative process takes just to get a, a proposal in the cycle and then get it to um, a vote um, is, is long. It, it's, it's arduous. We had it scheduled to be voted on um, in 2020, um, in April 2020, and of course, March 2020. Um, we all know what happened. So we've been on a pause uh, for two years, and then it was back on the um, calendar for this April. Um, and then because of the transformational um, committee's uh, work, they recommended to table all proposals again. So we're back in waiting. Um, we hope to keep educating people and keep updating people. And then Next year, we'll have to educate a whole new group of, um, uh, of people um, in schools and administrators. So th that's part of the challenge. And that, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it, it sounds simple, um, but it's, it's been complicated to keep it simple. Jay, I want to I kind of wrap with this idea. You've been doing this a long time. You know the success levels at various institutions. 
public and private. You you see both sides of the coin. There are not many guys who who understand kind of the relationship between your sport and intercollegiate athletics at a variety of schools like you do. When you put this down on paper and you've got the note that, what, 179 out of just better than 200 schools are already supporting this, what's the next step? Is it is it the public understanding this more like we're talking about today? Some people probably have never heard this. You guys have got a website that fully flushes all of this stuff out and explains it from injuries to student life to everything. So in your mind, what is the next step to getting this done in these complicated and choppy waters that the NCAA just always seems to be piloting you in? It's, it's really what Carlos said. We just have to continue to educate because there's been such a, a change in, in from, from the coaches to the administration to these all these different committees that where there was once support uh, and, and knowledge of what we were doing, now people are off committees. Now athletic directors have changed institutions. Now new coaches have come in into different conferences. So it's it's really just re-educating. Uh, you know, as Carl said, you know, university by university. And getting that support, as you said, I think one of the best things is even just making so aware of how how much support there is by the student athletes. That there's like a, a, a by uh, there's like something like ninety percent support that they want this to happen. So you know, kids are coming in as re- as recruits, and they they understand and are asking about it. They're supportive of it already. They want it because it's what they do in youth soccer. Um, the players who, you know, particularly, I think the ACC, the players who experienced that COVID, uh, hybrid season, you know, thought it was fantastic to have a week in between how much better they did in the classroom, how much, you know, mentally, you know, mentally, uh, less stressful on them. It, it was to just have one match to, to, to work at. So it really comes back to just educating, to staying on top of it, you know, as, as people changing your institution, whether it's uh, the faculty athletic reps, the, uh, the presidents, the, the athletic directors, your SWAs, you just stay in touch with them and, and educate them. And that's what I think that's the process that we're on right now. Okay, real quick, Carlos, I need to finish with this. Two questions. One, as the ACC fully behind this, unanimous in terms of its soccer playing institutions, that's part one. Part two is this Is this a men's and women's plan in Division One soccer? Yeah, so. Question one, um, we're not unanimous, but we're in majority support. Um, the, the institutions are, they, the um, student athletes are um, 89% in support and 11 out of the 12 institutions are in support. Um, so, and then number two, is it a, uh, it is only a division one men's soccer proposal um, the, the women are looking to do something different. Um, they have their own uh, agenda items and we support them. They're supportive of us, uh, but at this time they're, they're currently not interested in doing that. And then again, having to kind of educate and, and update a whole nother coaching body and, and uh, constituency, it's, uh, we have enough on our plate in terms of um, trying to vision one men's soccer uh, right. coaches and on board. I tell you what, you guys are very kind with your time. Uh, the website is 2121stcenturymodel.org, right? People can go and look and read on their own. And we appreciate your time very much on this topic and uh, wish you the best moving forward. Thanks as always. Thank, Thank you. you, Mark. Bless. All right, guys, be well. You um, too.
I get it. Heaven forbid common sense gets in the way. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm the perfect test dummy. Yes, this. right. You know why? Because you don't follow soccer. I because mean, I'm you not a soccer fan. You're fanatic. not a soccer guy. I'm not. I'll, yeah. be, I'll tell you completely. I mean, hey, I know it's important. The world's a game. I get all that stuff. But if coaches lay out something that is beneficial to the student-athlete's health, better for the sport, better for their academics, what, what am I missing? Yeah. And, and that's why I didn't mean to be no, no, too you're simplistic right. with that's... the question, but sometimes you can overthink it when you're too deep in the middle Absolutely. of it. And I'm sitting on this sideline going, well, that makes a ton of sense. Let's go do it. Right. What's the problem? I'm with you on that. Uh, when we come back, a couple of basketball notes, including a face that was very familiar in the ACC has come back, and he's got a new address. And we'll talk about that when we continue. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. <laughs> the boys, uh, a little bit of a uh, food coma from yesterday. Had Billy over here, Liz, had the family for a little Easter brunch and uh, dinner, and uh, the boys were well-fed yesterday. Well-fed. They are moving sluggishly. What was, what was the uh, dish of choice for Chester and Fuller? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the dish of choice. Yes. Did they have some roast beef? They, we had, they had no roast beef. Okay, what did you have? Ham? ham? They ate ham. Oh, yeah. I love ham. What else do we have for the Pasta. dogs? Pasta. Bread. Green beans. And Piper Girl was here, too. Oh. So we had three dogs. How'd that go? Excellent. You know what she had? Everything. Yeah, everything, yes. Piper's eating like these two? Yeah. Yesterday, Gigi horrified that her dog was eating the way that the buffet, uh, the uh, Golden Corral-type buffet that the dogs enjoy. Horrified to the point where she called us from Gaffney, South Carolina, on her way back to Atlanta and said, what did Dad feed the dog? That's what she called. She called Mrs. P. Because the dog had to stop. Well, wanted to stop. Several times. And yeah. didn't stop. They blamed me for it. Did don't know why. Because <laughs> it's like going to one of these country buffet restaurants when you feed your dog. That's why. Some fine dogs. Jeez. Man's best friend, you know. I hear you. Um, can't do that with cats. Do no, with and dogs. nor will we. No, you don't. You don't. No. Clifford gets a touch of milk every once in a while. See, poor Clifford. Maybe some chicken. Clifford, come hang out with us no, in the basement. Clifford B. Without no. taking out my juggler like I tried the last time. Mountain line, 40% mountain line. Came right over the top. Grabbed me from behind. Yeah. Put me in a chokehold. Pull you to the ground. Um, Beast. Let's give you a couple basketball notes, and then we're going to start Unity Week with I Isaiah like Holmes from note. Miami. This this made the uh, show Friday, by the Should way, have. in the afternoon. Uh, Kenny Payne has hired his second assistant, and it's Hall of Famer Danny Manning, who is going to join the staff at Louisville. That means that the head coach and two assistants all won national championships. I like it. As players. I like everything about it. How about that? I just talked to Danny Manning like a week and a half ago mm-hmm. about Kansas. Obviously, yeah. he was there doing his alma mater, Rock Chalk Jayhawk thing. Yeah. And uh, kind of kidded around about, hey, you're going to get back into coaching. He goes, oh. hey, you never know. There yeah, could be some opportunities. Know. And here you know, Look at he's this. back in the ACC. Kenny Payne played and coached 
on a staff that won a title. Danny Manning played, coached on a staff, won a title. Nolan Smith as a player when the Blue Devils won the 10th. I like everything about this. It's a good I, look. Yeah. You're going to get your wish, I think, Pac. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I don't know if it'll be right away, no, but it's I think gonna it's going to happen. Some time. And like I said before, Louisville's got to get these yep. goofy NCAA to wake up from their deep slumber just to make some kind of <sighs> yeah. decision so the school can move forward. But I like everything. I said this the other day. Louisville basketball and Miami football. We just had Coach Cristobal on the show Friday. Yeah, I told him, I said, I don't know how many games you're going to win, but I like the staff you're putting together. I mean, mm-hmm. you surround yourself with really good, smart people that can recruit and go get after it. Kenny, Kenny's doing that at Louisville. I'm just telling you. Nolan Smith's no joke on the recruiting trail. Danny Manning can get the job done, too. I, I like everything about that yeah. on the surface. I do. So uh, congratulations to Danny Manning. Always good to see a guy from the Gate City of Greensboro. He knows the league. Back in the footprint. Old he Lewis Recreation days. Danny was a star on his team, and I played for the winless All-Stars. Now, I'm telling you. Kenny Payne, <laughs> Nolan Smith, Danny Manning come knocking through the door with that Louisville gear on. They're not going to mess around now. Right. They can get the, they can get the job done, in yeah, my opinion. I agree with you. Totally agree. In terms of the NCAA, I mean, good heavens. I mean, they can't answer the phone on soccer. They can't, certainly can't do they, this other they, stuff. The only thing they can do, mm-hmm. they can do two things. They can run an event, right? Yeah. I think they do a great job running championships. Sure. Outstanding. It doesn't matter if it's College World Series, the wrestling championship, right. the Final Four. I think the NCAA does an outstanding job in that department. And they can have more subcommittee meetings than anybody on the planet Earth They've mastered the subcommittee, subcommittee meeting. Yeah. Corner office, croissants, bagels, coffee. Um, do that. That's couple, it. A couple of student athletes to uh, finish the 8 o'clock hour. Isaiah Holmes is next. He's from the University of Miami as part of ACC Unity Week. We'll have a student athlete guest every week, every day of the week for Unity Week. And then Maddie Jenner from Duke's women's lacrosse program. Will Big be weekend along for them. Here at uh, 845. And then the 9 o'clock hour. Championship coach Kim Llewellyn is here from Wake's Women's Golf Program. They captured well, Rachel Keane made a big ACC putt on the team. Yep, yep, that's right. So Kim Llewellyn will be here in the nine o'clock hour. So we're just kind of getting cranked up here after Packer fed the dogs buffet. When we come back, a native Californian who has transferred into Miami and making an impact on their campus in a variety of ways. Looking forward to talking with Isaiah Holmes next. Halfway home on a Monday with Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app. Packer and Durham on a Monday. 844-SAY-ACC ends the number, by the way. I don't think I gave that out yet. But nevertheless, we got stuff to get into. Uh, Wes, you mentioned it's Unity Week. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very important deal for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, the Committee for Racial and uh, Social Justice, CORE, is uh, an ACC initiative. And it's uh, Unity Week is recognized in the fall, the winter, and now – in the spring schedule, and in fact, all the spring sports will be in action this week as we honor uh, the student-athletes who are working to make a change 
on their campuses and in their communities. And we start this morning with a young man who has come to Miami to compete in track and field. He's outstanding. And a winner of the Arthur Ashe Scholarship is uh, Isaiah Holmes, who joins us this morning from Coral Gables. Isaiah, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing beautiful. It's another beautiful day down here in paradise. Yeah. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're good. All right, let's get something out of the way here first before we dive into this pack. Isaiah is a native of Rossville, California, started his collegiate career at UCLA, and I guess the weather just wasn't perfect. So in order to have 365 <laughs> perfect days, you go to Coral Gables. My man, you have been truly blessed on that light for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Best Blessed is understatement. I'm very, very grateful for uh, opportunities that have been presented in front of me. You know, we know you're a very, very talented student and athlete, but, you know, it's always another level, right? There's always something else to go achieve and do. Uh, why was this so important to you, to be tied into the Unity Weekend, the things that you're doing there in Coral Gables? What drives you? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And, uh, I, I mean, I believe very passionately. Uh, passionately about uh, diversity i think it's extremely important and to be a part of a conference and an institution that supports that so strongly uh, you know it just made it so much easier for me to get involved with that and um I, as you can see here uh, we started uh, a club on campus uh black student athlete alliance where we bring together uh student athletes um and like incur i'm sorry like share our stories and like build a space for us to you know, really feel comfortable and uh, empower each other to like push the culture forward. Hmm. You know, Isaiah, you're in a community that is one of the most diverse the country has, period. I mean, Miami and South Florida is a feel really unique into itself. So finding that kind of initiative can't be that difficult. But I would ask this, on a college campus like the University of Miami, uh, what are you finding is the message that, that people are most receptive to in this time of change in this light? Huh. Oh, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. And I, I would say that um, the idea of inclusivity, mm -hmm. I think, is probably, I think that's something that hasn't really been talked about enough until recently. So having that, that dialogue being taken place is really changing people's perception on what they think about diversity. So this is not just uh, diversity in the sense of uh, racial diversity, but also age diversity, um, gender diversity, uh, inclusiveness of LGBTQ communities. Like it's this whole conversation has started a whole spill of things that have, I, I believe, to benefit the the entire community, not just uh, certain populations. Hmm. Isaiah, did you sense the same thing at UCLA as you now see at Miami? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, as I mentioned, I was very fortunate to attend some incredible institutions in that UCLA, I think, has been even more of a, uh, a presence of that in the past. Like, there's such a rich history of uh, that, like, as uh, my colleague at University of Southern, or I'm sorry, of Los Angeles, California, Los Angeles, UCLA, says uh, it's pushing the culture forward. Hmm. And that it's just a, such a rich history. We have, like, the Jackie Robinsons, the uh, Kareem Jabril, oh man, I'm messing that one up, bro. Abdul-Jabbar, Abdul right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Abdul-Jabbar, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, like there's just such that rich history of um, all these athletes that are like really pushing that narrative. And uh, you can see that, especially during this past year, we 
before I left UCLA, we actually started a, a similar organization that we started here. And it's the idea of leveraging that rich history mm-hmm. to still communicate that message in a modern day. And like what that, what they were fighting for uh, tens of years ago to f- see what they're doing now, like applying that to now and how we can make the appropriate changes what's right for our current society and what the future looks like for us. Isaiah, when the institutions of the ACC get together to to meet uh, the core group, those kinds of things, I'm I'm curious about the conversations that occur because Mark and I visit in the winter with folks who are doing things on campuses. We know what, like you've already shared with us, what's important at Miami and the priorities there. When other student athletes around the ACC, you guys get to visit, what are those conversations like and where do you think the work is uh, is best being done there? I think the what's really the benefit of having such a, a supportive conference is like you mentioned, like the ability to come together as as one. Like this is like kind of the point of unity is coming together for collective change. Mm-hmm. So when we meet, have these meetings, I think the most valuable thing to come out of it is best practice sharing. Like what's going on in your campus, what's working on your campus, how is that impact, and how can we take that and apply it to our campus. And I think that it's it's been very beneficial in the sense that we've been able to use what other people are doing and make those small changes to fit the uh, population at our institution and like apply it in the way that we feel is best fit to make that uh, impact or even more of an impact. Isaiah, you do so much other volunteer work uh, up and above being a part of this, you know, movement, if you will, to be at Miami and UCLA. Uh, You know, I've always found students, young people, that really love volunteer work are, are really a special breed. I mean, there's a sense of, hey, uh, local pride. There's a sense of, hey, uh, we're all blessed. Let's give back. W- where did that start for you? Yeah, well, first off, I'm very flattered that you still think I'm young. You uh, are. You know, right. Sometimes I don't always feel that way. <laughs> oh, you are. Trust me, you're young. <laughs> <laughs> um but to answer your question, it, it all started because of uh, my mom. She was extremely involved in the community when I was growing up. Um, so when I was I was young, I was always in like been around that like let's go volunteer, let's go um, let's go do this. Like there's a I'm from uh, just outside of Sacramento is my hometown in California. Uh, there's like the there's a volunteer organization that my mom was heavily involved in. So I was always. Uh, when I wasn't, you know, competing in athletic events, I was out there volunteering with my with my family. So when I got to college, it was only natural to start uh, finding my own uh, group in terms of volunteering. So I, I started getting involved with little things here and there. And then eventually, you know, I kind of got addicted to it. And then I could not be involved. <laughs> well, I want to tell you this. You're one of the more decorated uh, track and field athletes the ACC has, not just in the ACC itself but also within your campus community, and you're to be congratulated. We appreciate the time here. Oh, for Unity. Wait, oh, 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 I almost whoa, forgot. Whoa, Boy, whoa, whoa, almost, Mr. Durham. Oh, Hold on, I, Mr. I almost dropped the ball here. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Isaiah, here's the deal. Uh, you're making your debut on the show. All right. All right. Uh, okay. I want to know this. Since you've been at the University of Miami, what has been your hardest class? Oh, boy. That's interesting. So I've been since I've been at the University of Miami, I've only taken graduate level courses. Ironically, because of the such rigor of the classes I took at UCLA, like it it's hasn't been too hard here. 
to be honest, but I'd say the hardest class I've taken was accounting because that was just something completely new to me. I was a political science major when I was at UCLA and then coming here and taking accounting. I've never taken that before. That was a lot of new things that I've never seen before. All right. One more question. You better not yeah, screw lay them on me. You better not screw this one up. You aren't this is the, this is gonna be the toughest question you've got. Growing up outside of Sacramento. Oh boy. Going to school at UCLA. Mm. Your favorite major league baseball team is whom? Uh, By the way, before you answer, there is a correct answer and there is a wrong answer here. All right. Well, can I give you a hint? I don't want you to I don't want you to think that I'm a bandwagon, all right? But I would have to give it to the Dodgers. Oh, that's the wrong answer. Oh, that's <laughs> the wrong answer. That's, Isaiah, hey, I'm speaking my truth. Isaiah, listen, oh, hear me out. It's been great having right, you on I'm this here. show. It's been great. Let me talk to you a second. Let me talk to you a second. Oh, no. You were doing so well. What you well. got for me? No, you were doing so well. I mean, you, you have been a tremendous student, right? You got a great grades at UCLA, great school. You go to Miami, you're cruising, you're rocking it. Going to get a graduate degree and all that master's and all that cool stuff. You're a great track and field athlete, well-decorated. Oh. You've gone through all that stuff. I'm even more okay, impressed. Okay, we can just with, end there. I think no, we're no, cool. No, 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 no. You, you need to listen to me for just a second. You know – you, you, you do all this great charitable work, which I really respect you for, right? I mean, you know, there's not a lot of students that. that just assume, oh, I'm just going to go with the crowd. Hey, it takes a lot of guts to do volunteerism, to say, hey, listen, I want to make an impact on society. I respect you beyond belief. For <laughs> I love when young people take ownership. Awesome. I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. Oh, no. <laughs> Your choice in baseball stinks. <laughs> It absolutely, you know, look at the jacket you got on. You got a lot of orange. You know what goes good with orange and baseball from California? The Giants. The San the Francisco Giants. Right? For a kid that grew up outside of Sacramento, for you to say what you said on this show on national television, <laughs> I, I almost feel disrespected. Oh, God, I, I love really? you for what you're doing, but you have, got, you have got to change your mind with that. We've got to get you straight. All right. In, oh, my, in my defense, yes. I spent my entire adult life in los angeles oh see so like I, once i turned 18 I, I was like my new life oh, i started oh, over is it, is oh. it? And then, hey 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 <laughs> listen, listen, that's even more reason to not like them because you've been able to spend time there <laughs> isaiah we wish you the best we man. wish you the very best thanks so much for spending yeah, time thank with you guys us. so much for appreciate having you us. helping us kick off unity week on acc network <laughs> isaiah holmes from the university of miami who was doing so well how do you mess that up uh i don't know how do you go to the dark side have for a guy with good looking guy great track and field athlete yeah. tremendous student Awesome volunteerism yeah, represents no everything that we love yes. about student athletes yes in the yes. ACC. Right. Yes, and you just make a horrific lifetime decision and say, "I like the Dodgers better than the Giants." You just can't can't screw that one up. Uh, when we come back, uh, one of the stars of ACC women's lacrosse will be here, and I've never been more pleased to tell you, Maddie Jenner is from Annapolis, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> she will join us next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. 
I wish the rain was Toby gone. Toby Gray? <laughs> Toby Gray? You know, um, I'll tell you what. Nice. We haven't got to the best and worst of the weekend. That's come out in the power hour. But I'm going to tell you right now, nobody in this league had a better weekend than Duke. Still raining. Duke had the best weekend. Spring football. Not even close. Baseball, which right. we'll get to. Yep. Women's lacrosse. We'll explain. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Maddie Jenner to this program this morning from Durham. Maddie, good morning. Congratulations on a terrific weekend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Um, all right. Minute 21 left to go. You guys got Boston College right in the place you want them, right? You get the ball all of a sudden, get the job done. It's pretty yep. simple, right? <laughs> <laughs> guess so so i mean listen we, we've been talking about this league i mean this league is ridiculous how good it is and it's been a kind of a north carolina you know number one and bc number two but you know what good folks from duke university got something to say about this don't they yeah yeah the league is um so deep every team in the acc is so tough. Um, so it's an honor to be a part of the ACC. Um, and it was a great win on Saturday, and we're looking forward to Thursday. All right. What do you call the play that we just saw here? Because, I mean, I know you're 6'2". You play attack. You've been around a while. I mean, is this just throw it up, let Maddie catch it, and dunk it, basically? Is that what yeah, this equates to? alley-oop type play. Yeah, I was just excited in the huddle when um, when they called it. I was just I had a good feeling about Chubbs, we call her. Um, her name's Caroline, but her nickname on the team is Chubbs. She was given that when she, uh, during, when she was a kid. Um, I just told her, throw it high and soft and loft it up there and put a nice touch on it. And I had a good feeling that she was gonna hit me and try to um, feed me. She's a really, she's a natural feeder. So um, yeah, I was excited when they kind of called this, this play. And how about the celebration goal? I mean, how, you know, every, we, Wes and I get a kick out of all the celebration, putting the stick down, all that stuff. What, what, was your mind going 2,000 miles an hour and you don't even remember it? Or was it one of those things like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's game, set, match. See you later. Um, yeah, I really don't even remember. I had to, like, look back um, on the clip to see what I did afterwards. <laughs> I forgot to put my stick down, like, right after it happened. Um, Dana Boyle was with us last week. And, of course, she covers lacrosse, ACC women's lacrosse for us here on the network. And she identified Duke as kind of the team that was emerging. Uh, we know Carolina. We know Boston College. We know kind of where they're stacked up. What is it about what your teammates and Coach Kimmel, what have you guys done here to put this surge on from midseason on here to, to be one of those teams that could be a factor, not just in the ACC, but nationally as well? I think a lot of self-belief, um, that comes first. We have, like, every part of our team is strong, and when it really comes together on the same day, it's special. We have a balanced attack. Sophia in the cage is awesome, and she had a really great game. Defense locked it in. So really all parts um, of our team can really come together. And, and I think that's when we can really compete with these top teams. All right, so it's nine straight. And oh, lo and behold, look what we have yeah, on a Thursday we night. <laughs> we have dark blue and light blue again. It doesn't seem to matter mm -hmm. anytime it's Duke and Carolina. It's a big deal. But this one really is a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I 
haven't had the chance to compete for any type of title since I've been here at Duke. So, I mean, to, the possibility to win the regular season would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, soon we're just going to turn the page on this past um, weekend and look at UNC because they're an awesome opponent. All right. But, Maddie, it's Duke Carolina. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. It could be ballroom dancing or tiddlywinks. I mean, it just does not matter. And now you guys are in a position where you can impact the way this league shakes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that all I'm getting? I'm not getting any fighting <laughs> words here. I'm not getting any, uh, hey, we're playing great, Wes, and this is going to be, you know, this is everything we want type deal. I mean. Yeah, I got to just focus on, like, the technicalities of the game itself and not get too carried away with, like, the implications of the game. Like, in that last play, I just got to focus on finishing the pass and not think, oh, if, like, if I score this, then we'll be a point ahead. And then we could be in a position to win the regular season. So I'll just focus on the game, and hopefully it works out for us. Maddie, how did we celebrate? After winning, yeah, how's Boston that work? College. What, what, what was it? Was it a team celebration? Did you do something individually? Was it wait till we get back to town? Did we do it up in Boston? You tell me. What was the deal? How did we celebrate after Saturday? Yeah, we got together as a team. Um, a lot of parents and siblings were in town because it was Senior Day, so oh, yeah. the parents joined the celebration. <laughs> that was interesting. Go. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so that was fun. All right, so I'm gonna put you on the spot. Yeah. Which parent was the most out of control? There's, a, there's, there's always like any time you know it's like because I got listen I got I two daughters I am gonna do this I can't believe you're doing this I got this. two daughters all right uh -huh. and it's always yeah. dad you embarrassed this God would you please so it's almost like they won't don't really want to invite me to the next bash so uh, there's no always, that was me that was you. That you do that to your folks, like you know, mom. Yeah, dad, I was oh. trying to have the. I was trying to tone them down. <laughs> trying to tone them down. I'd okay. say my dad and Mr. Debilis, Chubbs's dad. Um, they have a bromance for sure, and they are having fun together. <laughs> now wait a minute. Do they know that? Have they been told that before? Say it again. Have they been told that before? You're not like breaking news. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Hey, now, good. all right. So your mom played lacrosse at Duke, right? Yes. Um, she played called lacrosse. Okay. So the fact she actually played the sport, she kind of keeps it calm. But you're saying your dad is the volumes turned all the way up. Is that what happens? I want to make sure we just document this the right way before, so we can be <laughs> held accountable for our actions, like you're being held accountable for yours here. Is that right? I say he's a passionate supporter. There yeah. we go. That's that's what we're looking. That's for. That's a Duke student right there. there. Because <laughs> you know that that was like for my family. Oh yeah, that's he's the loud one. Yeah, well, and your si your sister played uh, lacrosse there too, right? Yep, and she was in the stands too, which was awesome. All right. It sounds like a family affair there. All right, I'm going to put Absolutely, you on the spot yeah. now. This is the hardest right. question. You ready? Yep. Maddie, since you've been at Duke, what has been your hardest class? Probably we'll take it back to sophomore year, Gen Chem. I remember I was the first test put me on my, heel, put me on my heels. I was a little rattled, but... It was an upward trend since, but it was kind of hard to recover from the first test. So, so wait a second. General chemistry? That did it? Yeah. Huh. What was it? Just all the elements and 
periodic table, any of that stuff? What, what was the problem there? No, this was a couple years ago, so I forget what that exam was actually on. But it was just my first science um, oh, course right. as a college student, so. It's like Boston College. It's rearview mirror. It's, it's rear all about mirror. It's Carolina, all in the Carolina, right? All That's the all Carolina. we're worried about. It's North yeah. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I love it. Well, hey. listen, congratulations to you and the entire team. That was yep. some kind of effort over the weekend. Thank you so much. And, and Maddie, don't be scared to tell your dad. Keep it turned down. Yeah. Let's, let's turn it down. <laughs> hey, Maddie, guess what? Now you can call. Wait, when you call your dad, you can say, listen, say, hey, dad, guess we were what? talking about you talking today about on national you on TV. television. We talked about you on ACC <laughs> Network. You were dialing us in up there in uh, Annapolis. You know, we might. We, do we want to talk about your dad playing football at Illinois? Would that be a good opportunity and a nice segue to say, ah, you know, the, the guys on the ACC network were really concerned about former Big Ten players turning up the volume at post-game, that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, he'll, ha he'll have to watch this back. Yeah, there we go. Keep, hey, keep, keep on rocking and Thanks, congratulations. Maddie. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Maddie Jenner of Duke. She's a blast. That's funny. Yeah, it is. Dad, I boy, I wish I had a dollar. I've heard that from my two daughters. Dad, what are you doing? That's Dad, it. you're embarrassing us. That's it. Another uh, feeling. Kim Llewellyn of ACC Women's Golf Champion Wake Forest. Nine o'clock. Again. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not Dan Brooks, it's Kim Llewellyn, right? Tell you what, the league is loaded. Tell the golf. truth there. Uh, both sides. And when we come back, the best and uh, worst of the weekend kicks off the power hour. Leaky Black's back in town. NC State with camo on you, Pack. Like it. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech got a sweep in softball, right? Back with that and more on ACC Network. <laughs> 